Welcome to Mystical Musings, October 13th, 2013. Here in the library of the Colorado Heights University, beaming out from the highest point in the Mile High City with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian and non-denominational, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America today. Thank you for joining us. In your joining, you're creating our community of mystics, people seeking to obtain unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics, we believe and know spiritual apprehension of truths beyond the intellect. I am because we are. I am. Today's mystical musing is on sustaining presence. The spiritual momentum of the moment continues, moving ever faster. How do we keep up? How do we sustain our sense of presence as time flies and distractions multiply? We've received some guidance about what is needed on all levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, to keep ourselves grounded in divine presence, despite chaos in the world and within ourselves at times. We offer some new twists in our exponentially growing times. Noticing your breathing, your breathing. Notice that breathing may be noticed if you are unencumbered if things in your lap are down, if you're uncrossed. If you feel comfortable to uncross your legs, sometimes it helps. Starting by consciously connecting our breathing. So even as I speak, attention is with breath keeping it continuous. Anchoring awareness in our body, which is one of the surest ways to be present in this moment. The only place in which life is actively unfolding. The only place in which it is possible to accomplish anything. The domain of the vibrational. This 
present moment. Accessed by consciously connecting breathing. And for a moment, if you would indulge me just for a second, let's applaud the autumn. Just applaud the autumn. Yay, autumn! Applaud the autumn. Exactly, exactly. Applaud the autumn. Now breathe into your hands. And now take that tingling hands and bringing it to heart. And in the gathering of the heart, just reaching up to the great spirit. Breathing, exhaling. <sighs> gathering the spirit and bringing it back down into your heart. And then giving it to Mama Gaia. Gathering the vibrations of Mama Gaia, bringing it up through your heart, up to the great spirit. And one more time, gathering the spirit into your heart and down to Mama Gaia. Good. Now deepening the exhale, holding it out just a little bit, waiting for the urge. One more time, deepening the exhale, holding it out just a little bit and waiting for the urge. Early in September of this year, the New York Times Sunday Review had a lead story entitled, The Value of Suffering. As you might imagine, especially in a newspaper that grabbed my interest. Because certainly one of the most challenging times to sustain presence is when we are suffering. The story was accompanied by a large image of two embracing humans in a lotus pool with one figure dropping tears onto the lotus and the other expressing concern and compassion. With the torrent of suffering that we observe throughout the media and sometimes in our own lives, how do we find purpose in suffering? The wisdom holders of all traditions teach that suffering brings clarity and illumination. The author of the story talks about a 90-year-old Zen painter who says suffering from a spiritual perspective is a privilege as it shakes us out of complacency and moves us toward thinking about essential things. So much so that when the painter was a boy, it was thought one should, should pay for suffering as it is such a blessing. No doubt philosophy cannot cure and pontification will certainly bring on more suffering, at least a headache. Sometimes in the face of continually making the same mistakes, something happens. Some calamity breaks us wide open, moving us to change our ways. 
with a deeply known awareness that while suffering might be our reality, unhappiness need not be our response to it, at least not all the time. From a Buddhist perspective, unexplained pains are the result of karma incurred from previous lives. From the deist perspective, everything is divinely ordained. From a human perspective, we do what we can do in the face of suffering, finding strength enough to witness suffering and remain human enough not to pretend to master suffering. Remembering, uh, no mud, no lotus. And so we trust in those things sometimes that we least understand, like suffering, love, wonder, remembering, no mud, no lotus. So, just for a couple minutes, breathing in suffering and breathing out strength. Breathing in suffering or fear, anger or grief. Breathing out potency. Breathing in suffering. Breathing out peace. Breathing in suffering. Breathing out love. Namaste. It's so great to see the old faces and to see some new people with us today. Maybe I should say a couple of words about what this community is about and wh why we gather when we do. It's really to invoke divine presence. We come here to bathe in that loving presence, to allow it to fill our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies. And to that end, we do movement, we do sound, we do music, and we offer the thoughts that Lawrence and I have had in the last month. And the, it always comes out of our experience as 
mystics, as people who on the daily level seek to come closer and closer to the divine, to open our hearts more and more every day and our awareness, to allow our awareness to expand and to embody it. And in this community of open-hearted people and open-minded people, we have a field in which we can really dance. Truly, our spiritual self can dance here. There is permission here for us to be who we are, completely authentic who we are. So we can be all of who we are, so we don't have to, ho- to hide our spirituality or the hugeness and vastness of our love that can all be presented here. We can sit in that and share it. So it is wonderful to have new people here today. We welcome you. Uh, I welcome you in the name of the entire community. We also use music and sound and silences, extended silences, in which we open our hearts to the influx of grace, beauty, and wonder. So glad you are here.
Thank you. That was beautiful. One of the surest fire ways of sustaining presence is music, and in particular, Myron's music. Uh, for those of you who are new today, the music that Myron plays is uh, their original compositions. They happen in this moment. You're all helping to channel through Myron the wonderful sounds that you get to hear, that we all get to hear. In this exponentially changing era upon which we have only recently embarked, sustaining presence in the face of rapid change is challenging. With exponential change as the zeitgeist, the flavor, the sense of now, we help sustain presence by being inspired, whether a functional inspiration or a soaring inspiration. I have some examples for you. Somalia has not had a functioning central government for over 20 years, and one of the only businesses left intact is a Coca-Cola manufacturing plant. So a genius bent on positive change at Aid Pod realized that packing medicine within crates of Coke could create a low-cost distribution network to remote needing communities around the world because everybody drinks Coke. A tiny example of incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. In the Sunday New York Times, the style section of the um, uh, autumnal equinox edition, there's a very interesting article entitled The Phone Stack Game. We're all pretty connected now with our telephones and our gadgets and soon the wrist monitors and the wrist phones and TVs and radios. Well, in the phone stack game, all phones are stacked in the middle of the table in a restaurant, and the first one to look at their phone picks up the tab for everybody. <laughs> Extreme phone behavior, even addiction, is now widely reported, and people are beginning to recognize how technology can alienate us one from another. There is a current film out that reveals this growing cultural meme called Disconnect. As smartphones continue their burrowing into our lives and Google wearable glasses erodes private space even further, harrowed users are starting to carve out their own device-free zones, whether at the behest of a host or a friendly competition. Some barriers include the physical, for example, no devices at a sacrosanct dinner table, or the conceptual, a digital curfew, no devices uh, after um, anywhere from 9 to 11 p.m. at night. With the constant erosion of privacy, our private time is more precious than ever. Time that necessarily challenges the implicit expectation in instant access techno land that we are always available to employers, colleagues, families, and friends. Private time that is fundamental to mystic life, even if and especially if a suburban mystic life. The householder, whether that's an apartment or a house, is deluged with techno-energetic tentacles that demand our attention. Private time outside of techno-gizmo realm is vital to a good mystic's health regimen, and the incipient evidence indicates that there are many of us who are starting to come to that realization. Another piece of incipient evidence 
for mass positive transformation happens in the landfill harmonic. Have any of you heard this? Oh my goodness, you are in for a treat. We first saw it on YouTube courtesy of our friend Barbara Green. This magnificent video from Paraguay shows how musical instruments are made from recycled trash. A sax made out of spoons and buttons, a bass from a large metal barrel that housed chemicals, a flute made from water tube coins and cutlery, parts of locks, all made and played with the heart wisdom that music is the smile of the soul. And as such, the Landfill Harmonic Orchestra produces music as a bridge between worlds with a goal not so much of making musicians, but of making good citizens, making intelligence hip, not clothes or cell phones. The remarkable conductor and originator of the Landfill Orchestra says that despite living under dire circumstances, if a person has initiative and is creative, even trash can become an educational tool that changes people's lives. Landfill Harmonic Orchestra has toured European educational institutions, conveying a dream built on recycled instruments, playing melodies out of trash that move hearts, while under no illusion that the Landfill Harmonic can do much directly for children who have such a harsh life, at least not immediately, or fix real problems like hunger or health. The Landfill Harmonic Orchestra does help educate kids so fewer are victims of these issues, allowing them to reevaluate their lives and live their dream. Related to incipient evidence, but in the category of the end of time as we know it, the days of finding a quarter under your pillow are long gone when you place the tooth there. The going rate has escalated to $3.70 per tooth, a 23% increase over last year, and that was a 42% increase from the prior year. And this, according to Visa Inc.'s Tooth Fairy Personal Finance app. <laughs> they got an app for everything. Tooth fairies. Remembering that sustaining presence is fostered by taking a longer now perspective. In every deliberation, we must consider the impact upon the seventh generation. Fostering responsibility in a framework, especially of the next 10,000 years by developing something called the clock of the long now, designed to tick once a year, bong once a century, with the cuckoo coming out every millennium. <laughs> what makes this especially interesting is that Amazon billionaire Jeff Bezos invested $40 million into the clock of the long now. The long now perspective offers an alternative to the mystic, for the mystic, to the X now, the hyper now. Civilization is revving itself into a pathologically short attention span. The trend might be coming from the acceleration of technology, the short horizon perspective of market-driven economics, the next election perspective of democracies, or the distractions of personal multitasking. 
all are on the increase. Some sort of balancing corrective to the short-sightedness is needed. Some mechanism or myth which encourages the long view and the taking of long-term responsibility where long-term is measured at least in centuries. Long now proposes both a mechanism and a myth and is as such a long-term mystic stepping stone. Just imagine reaching your consciousness out as we do gazing upon the great mountains. Reach your consciousness out 10,000 years. Accordingly, there are 79 days and 17,986 years until the year 10,000. Namaste. I honor the place in you in which the entire universe <coughs> dwells. I honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light, and of peace. When you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, we are one. Namaste. Namaste. I found myself recently asking for some kind of new spiritual experience. I wasn't really sure that I could uh, make that available to myself, having been on this path for 44 years and had every kind of mystical experience I could even imagine. But lo and behold, I had this experience of the divine presence coming into my body. And I was just absolutely filled with light and love and profound joy, it was really exciting to me. And what was new about it was that it was a kind of mystical experience, unlike my original ones and many of my recent ones, in which all I could do is sit and bathe in it. It would not have been safe for me even to walk, much less operate heavy machinery. <laughs> So I thought, this is really embodied spirituality, and it feels glorious. Then I began having the experience with other people. And, and they're asking, what is this? I don't know what this is. And I said, this is really the gift we're given at the beginning now of the rest of this expansion that we're going through. And what I realized soon after is that it implanted something to me that doesn't go away, that is sustainable. That mystical experience is absolutely sustainable. And what it did in my heart, and I've been noticing this in you also, is absolute joy. Unconditional, absolute joy as the basic state of being. Remember when it used to be fear, right? Remember those days when it was fear was our basic state and then we'd go out and have, you know, some big experience and then we'd come back to fear. Remember all those years? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, take heart. Take heart. That's behind us. As we move more and more into the new era, we move more and more into joy. 
and being able to contain it and to being able to access the kind of mystical experience I'm talking about. Once you have that experience, you can go back to it. And so I find that I want to meditate, which is to go have that experience hours a day. I don't get to do hours, but I at least get two hours a day. And Lawrence has also been meditating like a crazy guy. <laughs> and so we just can't seem to get enough of it. We used to think this is something we ought to do. Now we think this is something we get to do. So meditating in silence and opening our hearts to joy is the way we begin to sustain experience, to sustain the experience of the divine presence. Now, I've noticed that the other thing that I ask for was a new language, not, not with words I didn't know, but a new language in which I could direct myself towards sustainability in the sense we've been talking about it. And it's really a very old word that I came up with and one that has been a favorite of mine for 45 years, which is intimacy. Intimacy, not in the romantic marital sense, so it applies in both of those cases, but in the sense of just emotional closeness. And so there there was such an emotional closeness to the Godhead in those experiences I'm describing to you. There's such an emotional, heartfelt experience of divine presence in those moments. It's intimacy. It's closeness. And in one of those meditational sessions, I was led to become intimate with myself, to really emotionally be close and to love myself, which is the same as loving the divine, I discovered. I would have, known, would have thought that, but this was a real discovery of being able to just love all parts of me too. And that means the ego and the shadow and all of it, all parts of me, right? This whole notion of intimacy came into spirituality in the Christian era. Before that time, um, Buddha talked about kindness, but it was really about awareness. And, and the Jewish culture spoke about the divine as the tribal God. And so God related to the tribe and not to the individual. But in the Christ event, he talked about God as a father. And this was revolutionary. I mean, there were lots of people who were doing what Jesus did, including being crucified and resurrected. But no one was on to divine intimacy the way he was. And now in this era, we get to have a completely new experience of that intimacy. So being intimate with oneself and all of oneself means also being intimate with one's emotions. 
as we spoke of last time, bringing those emotions in, no matter what they are, whether they're fear, anger, grief, exuberance, whatever, to really bring them in, get the energy of them, really bathe in the fear. Let it all be fear, because it's a very profound experience. And these days, as you bathe in it, what you return to is joy. That's the basic state. It's the gift of grace that we are receiving at this moment. So we go to those feelings and bring them in, feel them and integrate them. And they give us fuel. They give us energy. They give us passion. They give us strength. So as we become intimate with our feelings, we really get to stand tall. And to my surprise, I also became more intimate and loving of my mind, which I have given a bad rap uh, more than once. But there is something like I'm just calling the meta mind, which is the mind that says, oh, you're in the past right now. Your, your, your thoughts are in the past. Uh, that's reflection. That's not useful. Come into the present. And you can do it. You can use your mind to control your mind. So when your mind is going out into the future, you can say, hey, come on back. This is where it's happening. This is here. And really appreciate it. And really appreciate it. This is another thing that I have been noticing about this period of time is this deep sense of appreciation of who I am and what my circumstances are. I mean, it is awesome to appreciate it. My circumstances haven't changed. I'm still with the greatest partner on the planet in the house that we love and embraces us, in the garden also. And so it's there, but now there's this new level of appreciation and celebration of what we already have. Now, if there is something that we want that we don't already have, the key to bringing it to us is also intimacy. To be close to whatever it is we want, to love it, to bring it in in love, whatever it is, or whoever it is, whether it's a person, place, or thing, or experience, to love it and bring it in to us intimately, and that to use as a, as a manifestation process, to me, beats the old forms of, you know, visualizing it and doing all those steps, because that's that puts me in my head and makes me afraid. But if I'm there really appreciating, relating, being intimate with whatever it is I want, that moment itself is so filled with relaxation, joy, certainty, that in and of itself, it is an event. It is a spiritual event. So if what I am being intimate with and wanting to manifest doesn't come, it doesn't matter. I'm having a good time in the moment. So intimacy in that sense is really uh, very helpful to a lot of people, especially young people who are wanting things.
So appreciating what we have, but bringing in what we want from the heart. Remember, we talked about this in May, love calling to love. Seeing what we want, loving it, feeling it, love us. It's really an awesome experience. And it also sustains the experience because it's in the heart and not up here. So it sustains the prayer. Now, speaking of prayer, there are quite a few really close friends of mine and members of this community as well who are having medical challenges, and they call me to pray for them. And, and I find myself, instead of sort of going out like to Catherine, I bring Catherine in. I just bring her in, bring her into my heart, love her, bring her in. And it's awesome. You can almost feel. And then Catherine calls and said, I can feel your prayers, right? Of course. You can feel that kind of prayer. I had another experience. It's been a remarkable three weeks since we've seen you. Another experience in which I'm sitting in meditation and um, the John of God spirit guides that are called entities appeared in my room and said, we need you to, um, to anchor light at the casa, we need more light workers. So with that, I was taken out of my physical body in my light body to Brazil, to the casa of John of God. I was at the gates and it all became one thing for me and it came into my heart and then I was back where I was. The next day, the the same entity showed up and said, we want you to come and we want you to bring a spiritual counterpart with you. You're the yang, bring the yin. So I have permission from my friend Karen Van Landingham to do things like this before I ask her, right? As she has the same, same from me. So the two of us went down there. That was uh, Wednesday, Thursday, on Friday, I saw Karen. And then we both just embraced the whole casa and left a presence, a loving, light-filled presence there, which is very easy to do. Anyone can do it. You don't need to be a professional mystic like uh, Karen and I are. <laughs> but you can, anyone can do it. A child can do it. So... I sat with a client who was very concerned about the government. And so we did, so what we did is we went to the halls of Congress and just anchored in light, love, clarity, and left a presence there, a light body presence. And then we did it with the executive branch and we did it with the judiciary branch. And it's, a, and it's like then Congress is something like is intimate with me, right? It's not out there. It's in here, right? So this word intimacy has really helped me tremendously.
As I'm saying, Lawrence and I are meditating and know that many of you are too and really being called to that and being fulfilled in that. And one of the things that I have been doing is meditating with you. And so I sit there in meditation and I just call the mystical musings community in and it creates a much greater feel for the reception of light. And it's something anyone can do. You don't have to be a professional to do anything I'm talking about. It's all easy to do. And it reminds us that we are here on this planet in relationship. No one is alone. No one is separate. We are here as relating people. So we can have this kind of intimacy with not only the people we love, but again, with Congress, but we can also have it with nature. And so with this newfound joy, this newfound expansion that is so exciting with these new mystical experiences, walking through the garden is such a profound experience because you're you're one with the tree. You're one with the bushes. You're one with the boulders. And they are one with you. You're one with the insects. You're one with the animals. You're one with the nature spirits. And that is an exciting, wonderful, joyful experience. Then there is being intimate with our spirit guides and our angels and all those who surround us. And really, all it takes is sitting down and saying, I want to feel your presence. And you'll feel the presence. So it's like noticing, waking up to noticing what's already here. And then also opening our hearts to what's available now that never has been. And knowing that we are creatures of joy. And we weren't created in sin. We were created in joy. And that's our authentic self. That's our basic nature. And that is more available now in this era, in this very time, than ever before. And it is available now. It's not something we're looking forward to. It is our reality now. Namaste. Sitting now in our own personal radiance. Sitting now feeling the joy within us.
sitting in a field of unconditional love. Sitting in intimacy with the divine presence. Sitting and feeling the joy that is at the core of our being. Sitting now and bringing suffering humanity into our hearts. Nurturing, loving, encouraging. Sitting now in profound gratitude for all that is, <clears throat> for all that is, from the smallest creation to the largest, feeling love and gratitude for it all.
May all beings be sustained in ever-deepening presence. May I sustain presence. Sustaining presence. May all beings be healed. May I be healed. Being healed. May all beings be at peace. May I be at peace. Being peace. May all beings know their mystic birthright and be love. May I be love. Being love. 